We're going to talk about how you can get things done at the Capitol with MCE's Melissa Vatterod on today's Renew Gurus. Hello out there in podcast world. This is Renew Gurus, your source for all things energy policy and politics in Missouri and beyond. I'm Executive Director of Renew Missouri, James Owen, coming to you live on tape from my undisclosed location here in Columbia, Missouri. Also joining me from his undisclosed location in Columbia, Missouri, is Philip Frasica. Hey, Philip, what's up? Oh, not much. Just happy to be back in the office after uh, being gone a little bit last week. Oh, yeah, you did leave us in the lurch for a couple of days, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) Had to escape to warmer weather, but um, I'm I'm happy to come back and it's feeling like spring, so all is good. It is good you got to escape like one of the 10 days that we had winter this uh, this this year in Missouri. And by the way, Philip, I, I don't know if you noticed, I sound terrible. Um, I'm sick and I, I'm just going to try to get through the podcast. So, you know, if if all of you aren't are missing my silky smooth voice, it will be coming back the next time we record. But we have a, we have a very exciting fun guest today. Uh, even though I don't sound like my normal self, but we do have Melissa Vatterot. She is the policy director for the Missouri Coalition for the Environment, uh, a group that we actually used to be formally a part of. And Melissa used to be an intern. Yes. In Missouri. Yeah. Hey. Yes. When were you an intern? I don't think I know this. Oh, sure. I was an intern um, like September to December of 2014 under Andrew Linares. Oh man, you got to work. You got to work for Andrew. Oh yeah, it and was survived. Great. <laughs> survived. It was wonderful. I loved uh, meeting the crew, being in the old office. I met Philip back then. Oh yeah. And uh, I actually found out that I passed the bar exam while I was in your office. So oh. I have plenty of good memories there. Yeah, Mazel Tov. Uh, so, were you in college when you were an intern? Were you no, a law I had, clerk? I had just taken the bar exam. Oh, okay. So I graduated law school, took the bar, knew that I wanted to work in environmental law and policy, and decided to have three internships at once, uh, oh. which included me <laughs> driving to uh, Columbia from St. Louis every other Monday and working a 10 hour day. Not at anyone else's request, but I was like, you want 10 hours a week? That's all, that's how I'm going to have to do it. And so I was dedicated. Uh, I just wanted to most, uh, get a multitude of experiences because I went to law school um, at Michigan State. I was an intern at MCE during law school, but I was like, let yeah. me diversify this a little bit. And now I'm at MCE anyway, just loving all were, these were Missouri-based a, orgs. Were you a Spartan then? I was a Spartan. Go green. Uh, yeah, I just I was actually just I just started the uh, new HBO show about the Lakers and uh, Magic Johnson was being recruited yes. to the Lakers after he won the NCAA championship for Michigan State. That's so right. I was just awesome. thinking about that and remembering that my law school alma mater, KU, got beat by Michigan State in the Sweet 16 in 2009. Uh, so that's been a while, but yeah, yeah sad memory for me. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh yeah, MCE. You work in right. MCE now. Yeah. So 
I know we work together, but I mean, for the people who are listening, the 10 people that listen to this podcast, you might not know what Missouri Coalition for the Environment is. What is your elevator pitch for your group? Yeah, great question. Well, Missouri Coalition for the Environment is a statewide environmental and public health advocacy organization. Our mission is to educate, organize, and advocate in, de- in the defense of Missouri's people and their environment. So yeah. that entails a lot of uh, collaboration with many organizations across the state, including Renew Missouri. And right. uh, renewable energy, energy efficiency is definitely part of our portfolio. We also work to support local food and sustainable agriculture, huh. addressing clean air, uh, promoting clean air and clean water, trying to address environmental injustices. Uh, it also involves both of those things. We also work heavily. We have um, historically worked to fight the proliferation of industrial agriculture, which can right. be um, a major contributor to environmental harms. Sure. So a bunch, a bunch of things, and I love it. It's very, it's it's got a very big scope. You have yes. a very broad mission. I mean, I I tend, you know, I look at the world rather narrowly in my policy because we're looking just at clean energy which I know sometimes will put us at odds with people who are looking at more general environmental issues. Sometimes, sometimes not. Um, and so like as policy director, I mean, I know you work a lot with the legislature, but I mean, kind of like what, what other, what is uh, some of the other venues that you work in uh, for MCE? Myself or yeah. the organization staff? You. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, in addition to, advocating, lobbying, testifying in Jeff City with the Missouri legislature. I'm also involved with writing comments on proposed permits for polluters in the state. So engaging with the Department of Natural Resources a lot actually through the proposed permit process as well as proposed rule changes. So we at MCE, as similar to Renew Missouri, I think in your strategy, though, like you said, our scope is broader, we will provide technical comments on things. So proposed permits, proposed rules. We testify obviously in Jeff City. And then we activate our members and other Missourians, concerned Missourians to take those same actions with us. And so that has involved over the last couple of years, we've developed more resources to give people the tools they need to feel confident in writing comments, in testifying, those types of things. So going back to our mission of educating, organizing, and advocating. We're trying to give people the tools they need to move environmental protection forward through various advocacy spaces. I hope that helps. Well, I think that does help. Um, Now, I should know this. Is MCE member-based or is it just something you can like be a part of and you can donate money to? I mean, do you have- We are a member. We are a member-based organization. We have about 800 members across the state. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And if, I mean, we're going to do a pitch at the end, but like, what's your website? What, what are you, where, where do people go to learn more about that? Yeah. If you'd like to learn more about Missouri Coalition for the Environment, our membership program, how to get involved in our various work, you can visit moenvironment.org. Moenvironment.org. Got it. So you mentioned all these other things you do, but today we want to focus on the legislature and what you all do there. And I kind of want to kind of, you know, talk a little more about, you know, something that you have spearheaded and 
you're kind of working with other environmental groups to kind of get them prepared to to do this, which I think is very helpful. Uh, but uh, so like when you go in your lobbying space, when you're like working in the legislature, I mean, do you do you do you activate these members to do this? Do you have like a larger uh, listserv? I mean, who do you talk to? Who's your audience when you're talking about some of the legislative issues that you're concerned with? Great question. The audience for the bills that MCE is concerned about and how to take action includes our members, as well as others who join our Missouri legislature e-alert lists or e-newsletter list. So every week, every Monday, we send out an email to our members and other followers to alert them of, you know, what we're tracking, where we see a need for activation. And in those same e-newsletters, we are providing links to resources that we've developed to help people feel comfortable taking those actions. And then we will also have events, sometimes member-based only, sometimes for our partners, like, you know, with you and Mosia. Sierra Club, Socially Responsible Agriculture Project, and more, where we're collaborating together on those grass tops advocacy efforts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I do get that. I do get that email every Monday. And it's actually, I think, pretty helpful. I imagine I would hope it would be helpful to people who are generally trying to figure out what's going on in the legislature. Because I mean, is it safe to say um, you have challenges in the Missouri Capitol as MCE? Very much so. I would say. Yeah. We have a we have great support from our lobbyist who has been a lobbyist for I think close to 20 years now and she has good relationships on both sides of the aisle. So when we want yeah. to explore proactive opportunities, not just fighting fires, but exploring uh, proactive opportunities, she's really been helpful in finding folks on both sides of the aisle that can understand our issues. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the political dynamics inside of the Capitol aren't at play. Even if we have bipartisan support, sometimes things just don't get done. And so that that is definitely a challenge that that we feel that we see. Wow. And, I, and I think many of our partners have the same experience. One thing that I, I think is worth repeating over and over again, uh, because I hear a lot of people say like, why isn't this bill passed? Why don't you do more about this? It's like, okay, folks, almost 2,000 bills got filed this session. And last year, I think around 100 got sent to the governor. Maybe not even that many. So you see an incredible amount of paper get filed. Some, a few good things, a lot of dumb things, a lot of things that are kind of not really stuff that you and I pay much attention to. Right. But it's a lot and it is a slow process absolutely um people can't believe how slow it is (laughs) yeah if the if the committee chair doesn't really care about our issue they don't have to even bring it up doesn't even have to have a hearing or you have the hearing and then they never voted out of committee there's there are a lot of opportunities for uh roadblocks yeah yeah, like, okay, so we're recording this the week before legislative spring break. We're going to get this out before spring break. Spring break is, legislative spring break is next week. Yes. Great. It's like everyone goes to the beach, we party and everything else. That's how it works with the Missouri legislature. Uh, <laughs> well, so like, but everyone says like, you know, if a bill's going to have momentum, 
It's got to get out of one of these chambers before spring break, which is literally like 10 weeks after, <laughs> after session starts. And once you get back from spring break, you've only got eight weeks. Right. And one of those weeks is always going to be devoted to the budget. Yes. They've got to get done the Friday before the last week. So, you know, you can say like, oh, they're up there five months. It's a long time. But, you know, when a bill gets introduced, it's got to be read three times. and It's got to go to a committee. They got to have a hearing. They got to have a vote. Then maybe it goes to another committee. Right. <laughs> where they right. vote there. Then it's got to go to the full body. And there's so, as you said, there's so many places where that can be slowed down or bottled up. And there's like things that got to be fixed and worked on and amendments. Right. Amendments. Yeah. It, I mean, really, we see a lot of bad things, but I think the process is so slow and deliberative. We avoid a lot of bad things from happening because there's a lot of bad ideas. Yes. Uh, that that we see yes. um so yeah so okay so i mean because that's that, that's i have found my experience that is a hard thing for, for for our supporters to grasp that we could have a good idea that there are things that would make missouri better and then i say well we might not ever get that done and if, if we do get it done it might take three years to right yeah and they look at me like i've got an arm growing out of my head but that's <laughs> truth that's the truth. Sure. So, so what you've done, or what and I certainly think I think MCE was doing this because I know Ed was doing it. Ed Smith, former Renew Guru, uh, who had your position for some time. Uh, you know, you all, you all every year bring together a lot of groups like ours and a lot of farming groups, progressive farming groups, and other you know groups working on environmental things. We all kind of sit around and talk about like what we think. Are going to be important issues coming up and we kind of figure out how we're going to approach them yes uh it's really helpful i'm uh, so glad i'm so glad you have i mean it it's one of my favorite activities to... i know it probably seems like i'm really difficult when i'm at those so you're probably like i can't believe james actually likes this but that's just how i am in general i'm just a difficult person i don't think you're difficult uh <laughs> for those who are listening i think what james inferring is uh I try to keep people on a certain track because we've got so many people in the room. And sometimes I have to tell James he's got to be quiet. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that his <laughs> ideas are disruptive or offensive. Yeah. We just have to keep moving. Yeah. No, um, I think, no I, but yeah, I mean, so like we, we all like kind of, because we all have these little like committees, we get, you know, kind of paired up with groups that are interested in things. And we kind of figure out what we're going to, you know, talk about and do. And, and you know, and, and that's good because I mean, there, there are different levels of, advocacy representative of those groups are some people who are like who are in the capital all the time right and there are some people who you know maybe go once a year exactly uh and, and there is and there is kind of a little bit of a difference between uh, those two and it's not to say that anyone's better or worse as a result of that i would almost say like if you're there more <laughs> you're gonna be like more jaded more cynical you're gonna be like oh that's a dumb idea you know or maybe that's i would say that's a dumb idea but, uh, you know, but it is, so you're kind of working together to kind of figure out like the direction everyone needs to be moving in. Yeah, and I'd like to respond to that and something you just said a few minutes ago about Renew Missouri's followers saying 
hey, well, why can't we get that thing done? Like, right. it's so, you know, it's such a great idea. I would say one of the things that MCE really values and prioritizes and emphasizes both with our partners in the environmental legislative summit that you're talking about, as well yeah. as when we're sending out our newsletters to folks is that if we don't speak up, the legislators have no reason to take our side. If we have people right. who have opposing views and they are loud and constant, we may still not get wins because of those folks with opposing views. But if we don't speak up, then we don't get anything done. Right. And the legislators, uh, they can just say, well, that's all I heard. So of course I'm going to do that. So right. MCE feels that we must make calls. We must write testimony. And so so that is how I feel about in, individuals who are listening and, and they hear about bills that they care about. Even if the bill might not pass this year, it might take three years. Calling all the time lets your legislator know that there are people back in their home district who cares. And then to your point about collaborating with different groups with varying capacity, the organ or expertise, whatever it may be, um, you know, or maybe they're protecting themselves from being jaded, like you were saying, or cynical. Being able to collaborate together can raise those organizations who maybe historically have not been able to engage as much. If yes. they're able to learn from other other organizations in the state who are more active, who maybe have greater capacity, greater experience with the legislature, the groups that have that are kind of new or limited in their advocacy capacity can lean on the others, even if it just means brainstorming ideas. And then the organizations that are in Jeff City more often can can move forward an idea that was built together that the smaller organization could have never done on their own. That, that's right. Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. And also to your point, like, I mean, you can go to any lawmaker and the reason why you see a lot of bills that are, are kind of tinged with social conservative issues on abortion, guns, uh, gay, uh, you know, uh, gay rights, or I guess anti-gay rights, I suppose. Well, they hear about that from people. <laughs> They get a lot of phone calls. They get a lot of letters. Those groups that are interested, that are very well organized, and they understand the, the value of that. Because, yeah, I mean, a lawmaker in Jeff City has a lot to think about. They have a $30 billion budget to get ready. 2,000 bills. 2,000 2, bills about all sorts of things. Right, all sorts of things. And they, and they don't hear from people. They just assume like, well, nobody cares about that. Right. Right. So yeah, it is, yeah, it is critical. And to that point, because I mean, like, even though your group is member-based and there are other groups that are member-based, there are some groups like our group that is not member-based. Yes. Uh, and there, but we have supporters, we have people interested in this. Absolutely. They want to get involved, they want to get engaged. And you know, one of the ways that we try to facilitate that, because anybody can go into the Capitol. Any Absolutely. Day, well, any given day, like, you know, between Monday at four o'clock and Thursday at noon. <laughs> Theoretically for, every day. Right. Right. For five months out of the year, <laughs> uh, you, you can go and like talk to your lawmaker and you can go testify and stuff. And you might have some, you know, varying level of effectiveness there. More than likely not, because you might not know who to talk to. They might not be there. You right. might not know when the committees are. So you and MCE, in addition to bringing all these groups together, and this is why I wanted to have you on here, because you've been hosting these um, 
Lobby Day primers. Primers? Primers? Primers. Primers, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any faith in my ability to pronounce anything. Uh, there are still like, like Andrew's last name. Don't ask me to pronounce it. I, I've sure. I've it two or three different times. And I've literally worked with him for six years. Right. Um, and he'll, he'll be nodding along to this at the podcast. He's like, oh, I can't believe that guy. Well, so primer, you have these lobby day primers. Yeah. All right. And we had one a couple of weeks ago. And I know Phil, I always tell Philip not to timestamp these things, but we're, we're trying to be a little specific here. So we had one a couple of weeks ago. You have one coming up next week on yes. the 15th. Yes. What time? Because of popular demand, we're doing another oh. one. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Was yes, that, we are. That last one was pretty good, huh? Yeah. Yeah. People were okay. really grateful for the space to uh, essentially role play what a meeting with a legislator entails. So practicing talking about bills, introducing themselves, explaining, you know, how a bill ties to their personal experience or to individuals in their community, or if they have certain expertise, you know, if they're a farmer or they're a hydrogeologist or, you know, they're, they're wow. a solar installer, bringing those, those personal experiences to the table can really help a legislator understand why a bill matters but if you've never if you've never advocated if you've never lobbied before it's very intimidating so we're we're creating some spaces for people to to become more comfortable before actually lobbying right uh, remind me again what time is that primer next it is at 6 p.m on march 15th which is a tuesday yes 6 p.m and i we will send out the link with this email great Thank you. Uh, I guess if you're getting this on SoundCloud, you won't get that link, but we'll, uh, well, you go find it. Go to the MC website. Yeah. Go to moenvironment.org, go to our, or go to our Facebook page. You'll find information there. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good pitch. Okay. So, so like, and in case you can't, I mean, so like when you, when you're talking to, you know, engaged, interested members of the public who want to like go, talk uh to their to their lawmaker or go talk to any lawmaker about something i mean what is what do you think is the most important thing for them to keep in mind when they're doing that if there is one important thing might be a bad question there's a lot of important things but no that's a it's a good question uh for the purposes of time i might have to give you a couple sure but i would say Otherwise, it'll be radio silence. But I guess Philip can edit it out. Pick whichever no, one. You I don't like mind the most. silence. It's it's. A, I don't mind being awkward on these things. It's okay. <laughs> sure, I'm fine with that too. Uh, <laughs> I think being prepared. Yeah. Is, but and part of being prepared, I think, is is knowing that legislators, staff's job is to hear what you have to say. Yeah. Yeah. So don't you know don't. Don't get so nervous that, that you stumble. It's okay if you stumble over your words, but I encourage people not to let it get in their head because that's really why they're in the office is to greet you and hear what you have to say. So yeah. uh, be relaxed, but be prepared with the talking points that you want to make. Yeah. And I've always thought it was important because like you're there because you care. Yes. And I think if you say to this lawmaker or their staff, and by the way, right. you shouldn't be thrown off if it's a staff member because that's like, usually maybe sometimes even more important is like 
explaining to them why you care is almost as important as the points you're trying to make. Yeah. I think once people understand why it matters to you, like, and we're going to talk about this for a little bit, like this HOA solar bill. Yes. Which we had a big victory on. Uh, right, you know, uh, you know, as as we have um, as we're recording this, this was last night. I'll get into that in a second. But like, we have people come to the Capitol because they have gotten into legal disputes with their neighbors, with their HOA, about their ability to put solar on their rooftop, their ability to obtain energy independence, and it's really emotional. It's really hard. Right. It's been expensive for them. It's been hard to like fight your neighbors. Because like the last thing you want to do is drive into your neighborhood and see a bunch of people that you're mad at. <laughs> right. Like that sucks. So you go through this. And that takes years sometimes to get through that dispute. It And I, I don't like want people to relive like this awful experience in their lives. But like you want the lawmaker to understand why this matters because you don't want someone to go through that experience you went through. Totally. Right? Or what you're going through right now. If you're right. saying, hey, you know what? My HOA won't let me do this. This is so important to me. And I can't believe that I have to go through all this work to have something that just should be allowed for self-sufficiency, for, you know, climate responsibility and for personal choice of what you do with your home. And I'll go outside of my my clean energy purview for a second and talk about farming as an example, because you do a lot of farming stuff. I come from an independent farming background. My family was family farmers. I could not continue in that business because literally the economies of scale made it impossible for small farmers to make a living in this country. Okay. Right. And so 40 years, this has been going on. And in 40 years, I've had to listen to politicians say, we care about American family farms. We care about Missouri family farms. While they have allowed laws to be passed, they have supported these laws that make it impossible that unless you are a massive business that can like, you know, do these, you know, these economies of scale, you can't make a living as a farmer. And why on earth some of these idiots, and this is my, this is not MCE speaking. This is James Owen, not speaking for Rue, Missouri, but some of these idiot people living out in the middle of the country who seem to think that when somebody says they're pro-farmer, they're actually being pro-family farm is unbelievable to me. It is unbelievable to me. Right. Philip, I don't usually get this worked up about renewable energy. I get There's such worked. a disconnect. There's such a disconnect <laughs> about what farming <clears throat> farming looks different. We have we have we we have multiple styles of farming and farming can can be on multiple scales, but what you're saying is large-scale agribusiness is dominating the agricultural industry while the average consumer believes without looking into it more closely that a red barn with happy cows outside is still the norm where it absolutely is not it's not that life that's a life it's not a job it was a life right we're doing it that life is dead i wouldn't say it's dead but the people who are doing it aren't they have other jobs And yeah. their kids have left. It's really uh, well, it's, yeah. For for this kid who left, right? Because <laughs> I had a thought out of getting out of college, I would go back. And my dad, God rest his soul, just said, "There's no money in this anymore." My parents were probably the last people to make money farming 
as an independent farmer. Sure. And so I get really like emotional about this. Like it's, it's, it's really like, you know, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, so like those next kind time of I'm in Columbia, let's, let's get beers and talk more and more about it. Oh, like keep going. But I'm just saying, Phil, if you can cut this out that James and I, we, we could probably chat all evening about it. Yeah. Cause I mean, like, cause like everyone's like, oh my gosh, what's happened to small towns and everything. And, oh, I got, I got, I got, I could go on. Yeah, I could. All right. <laughs> but, um, but that is the kind, I mean, like, look, I, I don't like, I've also seen people get overly emotional and start breaking down and crying and, uh, I don't know if that helps, but <laughs> I think it depends on the legislator. So that's yeah, another thing about yeah. being prepared is knowing about your legislator's background and what resonates with them, which yes. individual Missourians may not know. So weighing in or checking in with organizations like Renew Missouri, Missouri Coalition for the Environment, other organizations that work in, in the Capitol may be able to get you that intel. Yeah, because I like to study bios of lawmakers yeah you know because you know because to me like that gives you that might give you some insight about like how to yeah you know like i was saying change your message what i'm saying is like speak to your audience exactly exactly yeah <laughs> like your audience is going to be different it doesn't mean like you gotta like you know like change what you're saying just change how you say it maybe yes so that's a big thing for me so yeah i mean so and also the other thing too, like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, make your points. And I also like, you know, cause for us, about, because we're having uh, the Missouri Solar Energy Industry Association lobby day on the 23rd of, yeah. of March, register by going, by emailing Mary Shields at mary at mosia.com. Uh, 12.30 to 3.30, I think we're going to be there. We can probably get there earlier, but I love my solar people. I do. They get in there and they start talking about like PV rates. <laughs> they start talking like, you know, it's very technical. And then like, you just see like this click off and like, yeah, you want to be precise and you want to be accurate, but you also want to make sure like, cause again, these people don't know what you're talking about. Right. So you, you, well, you can't spend a lot of time like talking about the, you know, neutrons and protons, <laughs> electrons. You don't have to like go that far back, but, uh, <laughs> but you do kind of have to like make sure you dumb it down a little bit. Yeah. And not dumb it down because they're dumb, but dumb it down because they have a million. Like again, they have a million other things that they have to talk about in that building. And so you start talking about like kilowatt hours and everything else, like man, right. I just say, keep, keep it simple. You run a small business. This legislation is going to hurt your small business. This is going to hurt your customer's ability to like get solar. That's, that's, that's what they want to hear. Yes. Maybe they ask you a technical question. Cause like you do find there's a lot of lawmakers who do know about this stuff. Like I'll give you an example. And I don't think this would like be a shock to anybody. Bill White, who's a Republican from Joplin. He has a huge solar array at his property. He knows this stuff really well. Uh, you can get into to the weeds with him a little bit. Yeah, sure. So again, it depends on who you're talking to, right? So, so uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I think a point there for those who are listening who maybe haven't 
gone to the Capitol and, and lobbied before. If, if a legislator does ask a technical question and you don't know the answer, it's okay to say, you know what, I don't know, but I will find out and I will follow up. It's a good way to engage yeah. uh, after yeah. the fact is bring them the information they need. If they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, it's okay to say that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Because one, it's good because one, you've had the in-person meeting with them and then you have a follow-up, which yes. you need to do anyway. Yes. And I think that what I've found in the, I have been kind of working directly in that building for six years now. As long as you give people good information and you're straight with them about what information you're talking about, that goes a long way. Even if they don't agree with you on everything, like I try to like say, here's what I think the other, like the other side's going to say. Like I try to like give education about everything. So I think they just want to get as much information as they can to make a decision themselves. Absolutely. Which I appreciate. We want them to be yeah. when they make a decision. I think there's a lot of, a lot of people who like that. Now, I mean, there's a lot of, there's also a lot of lawmakers that you deal with, I deal with that are never going to vote with us. Right. Um, I know why, you know why. <laughs> uh, but that shouldn't mean to say that you shouldn't try to talk to them. You shouldn't try to be respectful to them. Always uh, be respectful. Yes. Always be respectful. I had a committee chair last year, uh, house utility chair, who I like a lot, Bill Kidd. I think sometimes listen to this podcast. He was hearing a bill on an anti-net metering uh, bit of policy. And he kind of set the meeting, he kind of set the hearing at the last minute. It was during a snowstorm. And I was pretty upset about all that. So I sent out this email saying, they gave us less than 24 hours notice of this. We had to drive down there in a snowstorm. We didn't all get to talk. You should tell this committee that this is not how good governance works. And I guess people called. And we're not friendly. <laughs> now, I probably should have said, like, be respectful because right. they were suggesting to Representative Kidd for him to do things anatomically impossible. And, you know, and I said, I didn't tell anyone to, like, do that. But I also realized that maybe I should have said, like, you know, yes, we should be upset about this, but we should not be rude or crass. Totally. Or threatening. <laughs> Because some of these people, and I'm not laughing because I think that's funny. I'm laughing. That's like my nervous laugh. Yeah, um, I hear you. Because I felt bad about how that happened. Right, right. Now, so be nice. Be nice. Yes. You're not gonna, even when they're like maybe a little hostile, you be nice to them. And I'll just plug in, James, that if folks want to run down on other tips, we do have a recording of our previous lobby day primer on our oh, website. Yeah. And so if folks can't make it to the practice this coming week, which if you can March 15th at 6 PM, I still encourage you to watch the recording from a couple weeks ago because we go over those tips and this coming right. week, we won't be going over the tips as much as helping people just simply practice those meetings with bills that they care about. Yeah. Because we did go through, like, as you said, some uh, role-playing. Yes. I, I haven't watched your video. I don't think we got to record my... That's correct. Uh, yeah. The actual individuals who participated, their role-play was not recorded, but you will see myself with my colleague, Sophie Watterson, do our role-play of the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that will be helpful. And they will be able to do this on this next. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they'll be able to do this on that next one. Great. Uh, so like, uh, you know, and I think, you know, I know, I think we've gone way over the time. I could, I could probably talk to you for a while about all this, but we did, I, I think one thing, you know, one thing that our groups have worked on together was getting support for Senate Bill 820, which is uh, a bill that we, we mentioned that it would protect people who live in HOAs uh, from, you know, from, from those covenants restricting solar, like yes. prohibiting it. Yes. It requires reasonable restrictions, which is fine. Yeah, reasonable. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Attorneys, and, attorneys, we know reasonable. That's that's often yeah. The that's the that's the magic word that like can answer any question. Yeah. <laughs> like what's supposed to happen here? I don't know. Whatever's reasonable, I guess. Whatever. Yep. Yeah. If you do family law or like anything like that, it's always like, oh, what's in the best interest? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it, yeah, it's, it's 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 a little hard to define, but you know it when you see it, right? Right. So this bill, uh, sponsored by Senator, Senator Eric Burleson, who I know is not like exactly like the, the friend of the environment that we'd all want him to be, but he is pretty good on energy independence and on solar issues. And he sponsored this bill. He sponsored it the last couple of sessions. And we had a hearing on it a couple of weeks ago, passed out of committee. And last night it passed on a voice vote, uh, which is pretty much um, unanimous. Amazing. It's amazing. Woo! I can't believe it happened. So great. <laughs> yeah, my lobbyist is texting me and he, I said, like, wait, is this getting like voted on? <laughs> so great. Yeah, and they did, and they did add. I mean, you know, and I, I, this is not necessarily bad, but one thing that our group, and I think we we have talked about this, there's this net metering and distributed energy task force that was being promoted by people who have been historically skeptical of of solar energy, which made me suspicious of it. And, I, and it was seeking a task force to look at net metering, distributive energy. I mean, it's basically solar. And to the credit of the of the sponsor, uh, uh, Justin Brown is a sponsor in the Senate, as well as the Rural Electric Cooperative lobbyists who uh, you know, we usually work against, but we work together to change the language to make it let like the task force less reliant on utility uh, membership. Yeah, there's a lot more. I think it's a more diverse group. That's great. The top, they're going to talk about community solar in this too, uh, and we got a little more time to work on this because I think to do this correctly, you can't. They want it done by the end of the year. I said I need to go till next summer. All that got added to this bill and that task force was also voted on and that will move to the house as well. Um, so that's going to be one of those things that will keep us very busy in the off season. Yes. Call it. It's always great when I find out I've got another thing to do, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that if it, if that task force is done correctly and yes. done fairly, it will, it will, it will, there will be good results from it. But maybe Such a should, great opportunity. Is, but getting sure it's done fairly and done correctly will be the real challenge. And yes. uh, so you all out there listening need to be ready for that now. So we're, but we're going to give you the tools. Melissa here is going to give you the tools to do it. So yeah. Power and numbers. Power we're and here. Numbers. We're here to give you the tools. March 15th, next Tuesday, 630. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. Central time. Central time. <laughs> 6 p.m. 
forget what I just said. And we'll send uh, that uh, registration link because I think you got to register beforehand. Right? Yes. Okay. Melissa Vatterot, uh, any parting thoughts before we end what I think was a very good podcast? I think so as well. Parting thoughts. Pit, what Don't do you, you want to pitch? Hmm. Probably want to. If you want to talk to your legislators, but you don't want to go to the Capitol, MCE is ready to help set up virtual meetings for you on April 1st and April 8th, provided you are looking to engage on one of our priority bills and community solar is one of those. So if that is something and the HOA bill we just talked about will certainly be another one to add. Uh, So again, you can go to our website, moenvironment.org or email me, which is mvaterat. I don't know if I should spell it. Uh, Just go to the website, find my email and I can give you information. Google your name. They should find me. Okay, uh, you, we'll like say your name in the uh, in the email. I mean, we can like add your email to the text. Is that okay? Or are you want? Yeah. What do you want me to? You- so we can add your email to our to our text of our, to what we send out. Or are you worried about creeps? Not worried about creeps. I trust okay. your followers. They can definitely. <laughs> you're more you're more trusting than I am. <laughs> if All I right, find so- any creeps, I'll get back to you, James, and I will be upset. Okay. Okay. Uh- <laughs> So they, they can learn more about registering for the Lobby Day Primer by emailing you. Yes, as well as if they would like assistance advocating on spe- on specific environmental bills on April 1st or April 8th, with oh. like actually meeting with their legislators virtually. Great, great. Melissa, I had a lot of fun. Hope you did too. too. I did. And I hope you all enjoyed listening to Renew Gurus. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to us on all major platforms, leave a review, share this on your social media posts. And again, we hope you can join Melissa and company on March 15th at 6 p.m. Central. That's next Tuesday. We also hope you can come to the Mosia Lobby Day on March 23rd from 1230 to 3.30 at the Capitol. You can talk to me or Mary Shields about that. And in, in the meantime... This has been Renew Gurus. Until we talk again, please take care of yourselves and each other. Bye.